0: Dad, who are you voting for this year? (laughs) Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get political, (laughs) as far as, you know, we don't use our platform or our pulpit for um, pushing political candidates. We do view that as wrong. Uh, I will say I have some libertarian leanings, and those are challenged. Those libertarian leanings of mine can be challenged here in Mark chapter 12. We're going to see some of those challenges here. You know, I guess... Looking at you
1: with a man bun, I would guess that there's some libertarian there. Is Isn't that just kind of typical? Is that a li- I,
0: th- I figured that'd I be know. more of like a liberal leaning. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's a joke with Jordan. Yeah. It's because like, I had messed up on Between the Lines a little bit a few months ago, and I'd said a wolf in sh- or a sheep in wolf's clothing. Yeah, I said ah, I messed that up, and Jordan's like, if there's anybody who is a a sheep in wolf's clothing, I'd be Junior. <laughs> don't look the part, I guess. <laughs> But here All we are, right. Mark chapter 12, yeah. you're listening to Between the Lines. And I'm Scott, and you're juniors, So <laughs> You want to get started, verse 1? Yeah, it says, Then Jesus began teaching them with stories. So Jesus loves stories, by the way. Mm. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built the lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent out some servants to collect to share the crop. But the farmers grabbed a servant, beat him, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner sent them another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either beaten or killed, until there was only one left, his son, whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. Now, just interesting here, you, you do, Jesus is kind of summarizing the story form or narrative form of the Old Testament. You have prophets being sent by God, and many of them were killed. And, and it's then, interesting how he goes after the
1: emotions here because you're hearing the story and you're, you're feeling this. You're like, oh, it makes me mad. Right. I, can't, I can't believe they're doing that. Yeah. And then they're like hit with, oh, he's talking about
0: us. Yes, right. This is the owner finally sent him thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to his estate. Let's kill him and get the state for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I tell you, he will come again and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Did you ever read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Mm. I love that, by the way, that Jesus brings that up because Jesus is, I believe Jesus was crucified in a rock quarry in Jerusalem. That rock quarry you can see today. That rock quarry was used for the building of the temple. And so it's just, a, it's just a fascinating picture to think of Jesus being crucified in that rock quarry. The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Yeah,
1: in, in that same rock quarry, even today, there are stones that were thrown aside because when they were split, they they were not able to be squared off to become part of the temple. Yeah. They're all cast aside still in that quarry where we, there's. I think there's good reason to
0: believe yeah. that was the site of crucifixion in, right. in Jerusalem. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They were afraid of the crowds. They left him and went away. Later, here comes the challenge to uh, me. Later, the the leaders sent them Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said. We well, you know how honest you are. You're impartial. Don't play favorites. You teach. I love that. That's his reputation you teach the way of God truthfully? Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay you know, them or shouldn't I, we?
1: I'm not sure It's much that they were acknowledging that he is a good person like this. I think they were just trying to butter him up and then sure. trying, to, trying to get him. Oh,
0: absolutely. Should we pay taxes? Jesus saw the hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. it Caesar's, they replied. Well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. No, come on. Don't say that, Jesus. <laughs> that's what he said. Then so he says this. He says, give to God what is God's. And his reply completely amazed him. Now, here's why this is amazing to at least me, dad, is what is stamped on the coin is Caesar. What is stamped yeah. on us? Right. The image of God is stamped on us. We are to give ourselves yeah. to God. Yeah, that's that's really good. Brilliant teaching of Jesus. Uh, are we halfway through? Yeah. All right, I you can you start it?
1: at verse 18? Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there's no resurrection from the dead. So you had the Pharisees, they were viewed as kind of the conservatives, uh, the legalists. And then you got the Sadducees, they were the liberals, didn't really believe much of anything. Anyway, but they they had all the garb of religion. They had the nice religious clothing on. And it's not all that different today in some circles where you've got some people that they want to have their churches all dressed up and pretty and... But they themselves don't have much that they believe in. Anyway, they pose this question, verse 19. Teacher, Moses gave us the law if a man dies, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Um, Well, suppose there was seven brothers, the oldest one married and then died without children. So, you know, this is all speculation. (laughs) You're like, suppose this would happen. So the second brother marries the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother marries her, and they continued with all seven of them. And still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So well, here's us. my question before
0: yeah. they asked that question. Has anybody, uh, anybody looked at the woman, when she's yeah, doing? Maybe, maybe she's unable to one get pregnant. To it's not nominator. always the guy's fault, right? Well, maybe she's the one killing them all. Ah, That's my thing. Maybe it was just a bad cook or something. Yeah, I don't know
1: if I want to marry that woman. That's a yeah, good point. So tell us whose wife will she be in the resurrection for all seven were married to her, her, her. They're pointing out to an aspect of the law that if a man died when he was married before he was able to have children, then his brother was required by the law to then marry that woman and raise up uh, the firstborn child in his name. So that child would take his name so that the seed would continue on. And so they're saying, okay, you know, got all these people married the same woman who's going to be married in the afterlife. They, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They're just trying to trap Jesus. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures, which of course, you know, this helps us understand Jesus did believe in the resurrection and does, and he was resurrected. You know, the scriptures and you don't know the power of God for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Now, some have said, oh, okay, well, that means that we'll be sexless in heaven or male or female. That's not what he said he said, will not be married or given in marriage. Okay. So we can't take it any further than what Jesus said. Which is
0: interesting that we won't because I didn't think marriage came after the curse. I always thought, you know, the next life is a return to mm-hmm. before sin entered the world. Yeah. And there was marriage before sin entered the world. But um, but the purpose of marriage, too, was
1: procreation. I mean, yeah. now that there's more to it than that. Yeah. But still, they were brought together to be in that committed relationship in order to be able to raise children. Sure. And so, which again helps us understand, this is God's ideal. That yeah. is God's ideal. And I know we want to talk about all kinds of alternative families, and you might be in a very difficult situation where you have lost your spouse, or you're a single parent, and or there was and, a necessary divorce, and, and there is yes, there there is such such thing as a divorce that God recognizes, and so we're not condemning that at all. But all of us, even those in those situations that are not ideal. We have to acknowledge the best way is God's way. And God's ideal is a two-parent family, mom and dad raising their kids. Yeah. So anyway, the question comes out then, okay, who's going to be married during the resurrection? Jesus is just saying, "You're you just it's a silly argument because there's not going to be procreation in heaven. There's not going to be this necessity for marriage. We won't be having marriage and giving in marriage when we're in heaven. All right. Um, so let's move on here. Verse 26, uh, but, uh, but now as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read this about the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, which he had to go back to the Pentateuch for this because the Sadducees did not accept some of the writings, some of the, the law outside of the Pentateuch or the first five books. And so they claim that the resurrection teaching came after the Pentateuch. So he he was saying, no, no, this comes from the Pentateuch because God, when he appears to Moses, after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had all died, God said to Moses, I am the God. I am the God. That's the that's the key here. Present tense. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He didn't say, I was the God of Abraham. Yeah. I was the God of it's Present I am. Tense. So verse 27, so he is the God of the living, not the dead. You've made a serious error. So he believed in the afterlife. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. We just had this uh, two two weeks ago to my last Sunday, the Sunday before. It's a great sermon. Um, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know where that comes from, right, Junior? Yeah. That's the Shema from That's right. Deuteronomy 5, and uh, and that's something that the, the Jews would quote uh, twice a day, uh, every day. The second is equally important, which is just interesting wording here. They point out, in fact, in that sermon, the Jordan was the one that, that put that sermon together, in fact, and How the word there, the equally important is the word for... We get our English word homogenized, or it's mixed together with it, that you're not really loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind if you're not doing this, and that is loving your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love Him with all your heart and all understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself, There's, this is more important than to offer all the offering, burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, you're starting to get it. And after that, no one dared him ask any more questions because he was pretty good at answering them. All right. Verse 35, then uh, later as Jesus was teaching in the temple, uh, the people in the temple, he asked, Why do the teachers of religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David, Jesus is asking them this, for David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Now, he's using this as a tough question to point them to him. Since David himself called the Messiah, my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? And the large crowd listened to him with great delight. Jesus also taught, beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And that's some of us. Yeah, a lot of clergy today, man. They want to be not noticed just clergy. For, you know.
0: I think it's just lots of people well, with their that's titles true. too. You Absolutely.
1: Know? Yeah, the titles are a big deal. And how they love the seats of honor and the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't help but think about these prosperity gospel guys that, you know, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, are literally cheating these widows and people with very little, so that they can fly around their jets and live in their lavish houses. It's just, it's very, it just saddens me. All right, it says, "But because of this, they will have they will be more severely punished. Wow, all right, so verse forty one then Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, it was making a lot of money, a lot of noise because the receptacles of these offering boxes were like trumpet horns, and,
0: yeah, it was a and, spectacle that people would like to watch. yeah,
1: then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Man, it's um, pretty clear what he's teaching here. Yeah. God doesn't care about the dollar amounts that we give, he cares about the percentage of what we have and what we earn. Some spot and how sacrifice. We give that. Yep. That's sacrifice. That's what generosity is. It's sacrifice. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to get over to Psalms. Yeah. Psalm 25 and 26 is the Psalms is for today. 25 and 26. You sure? Uh, wait, no, I had that wrong. I'm yeah, sorry. It 27 is... and 28. Or... No, no. January 12th. Mark 12th. Psalm 25 and 26. Yeah. Well, man, I messed that up then. That's all right.
1: All right. So uh, they're great uh, Psalms here as well. Uh, again, we, we talked about this a little bit, but... Let's go down to verse 9 of Psalm 25. He says, he leads the humble in what is right, teaching them his way. And the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness to all those who keep his covenant and obey his decrees. So if you want to be led by God, we've got to maintain ourselves with this humility, recognizing we don't really deserve God's favor, but we are looking for his guidance. We desperately need that. We need his wisdom.
0: All right. Well, we went along today, but real quick before we go, national day is hot tea day. Warm up okay. with some hot tea. It actually works out really well because today is January 12th, which is my wife's birthday. So it's a hottie day. Oh, brother. Hot <laughs> tea and my hottie. Well, I wouldn't say,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm kind of grown on that one, but I don't groan
0: at Nicole. Happy yeah.
1: birthday, Nicole. Love her dearly. She's a wonderful daughter-in-law. So happy
0: birthday, Nicole. All right. Hey, make it a good day today, and we'll see you tomorrow.